Tom Panos, John McGrath, minus Troy, Malcolm, John. How good is this? Oh, this is the best. Put our feet up now. <laughs> but we have Max, Max Wiley. Max has joined us. So Max is one of our budding young superstar auctioneers. And he's doing our recording today. So uh, Troy may never come back. Who knows? This is, like, this is like John. You know when the rookie gets called in because there's an injury or the guy's oh, gone no. off duty and they pull on a man of the match performance and sometimes they never come back the original never comes back so uh, you may never hear from Troy again but uh, you may popular demand he is yeah. popular oh John I've got to you know like in the last two weeks again when you're out and about hey hey Tommy don't forget to say hello to Troy Malcolm <laughs> Troy Malcolm will become famous and oh, no one would have worked out who Troy is where he is I know he's in Queensland at the moment John but let's move straight into this podcast. Oh, by the way, congratulations. Souths uh, lost three in a row and they win uh, We're back. We're back. this week. So uh, well done. Winners are grinners. Um, John, favourite part of the podcast is where we actually get people that are telling us real problems, real agents out there with real vendors and buyers. And we're going to do two Q&A. great questions. Q&A. Yeah, Q&A. I love Q&A because it really, well, one is... I think we, we, we have our finger on the pulse, you and I, because we try and travel around and talk to people, plus we're, we're in the game. But it's really good to hear people from various stages of their real estate cycle and experience. What are their issues? And it's amazing how consistent they are, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we read out some of them, but for each one we read out, we probably had 10, 20 or 30 similar yeah. variations. So and there's some, John, there's something, I've got to say, the quality of these questions are good because sometimes you're at a live seminar and if someone puts a hand up and asks the questions, for some reason the questions aren't so great at a live performance. It's like someone's just come up with an idea. But I think when people write in, they're actually thinking through what has affected them. And the ones that we, as you said, the ones that we're asking, I think 20 people have probably said the same thing in a different way. So if we're only mentioning one person, mm. it's because... Um, there and then at that moment, that question sort of uh, resonated and it summed up what others are thinking. Oh. And I like this one particularly, John, because I see Theo Alexandru. So yep. he's, a, he's, a, he's one a, of us. He's, he's one of us. Yep. Uh, Greek or Cypriot, Theo, welcome to podcast here, Million Dollar Agent. Yeah. What is Theo asking? Sometimes I really love to hear, to hear from yourself and John is about how to stay in touch with past clients. We work with some amazing people. Then one settlement has taken place. That's it. We never speak to them again. The next thing you know, you drive past a year or two years later and they have listed with someone else. I don't blame them as they haven't heard back from us. What we would really appreciate some help on is what to say and how often. I don't want to hassle people, but more to be a friend in the industry. Great question. I think it's, uh, John, the ability to add value, have a good stay in touch strategy and not interrupt people when they don't want to be interrupted is a fine balance, isn't it? Yeah. And look, and from time to time, we've dealt with similar ones to this and we've spoken about it. I think, um, look, there's a few things come to mind. Number one is... Whilst you're dealing with a customer, it's got to be raving fan stuff. It's got to be an experience that moves them, makes them feel amazing, makes them feel special. So we're assuming Theo and our peers in the industry out there are doing that. But Theo's right. I would say that describes, Tom, 80 to 90% of the industry. Whack up a sold sign, send them a gift on settlement, and then you hope in five years' time when they sell, which statistically they will, they call you back. And then you get frustrated, angry, or surprised when in five years' time and one of your competitors' boards goes up. So it's kind of strange that people spend all these money on DL cards and letterboxes and all these sort of other interesting activities. 
and yet they don't do the thing that could probably quadruple their business overnight, which is stay in touch with people that they've already done a great job for. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's a strange thing. John, the first thing that comes to my mind is that a lot of agents think, I've got paid, this home's not going to come on the market, I've done the right thing, I've given them a gift, they must be happy, but they're not coming on the market, they've just bought it, and they're not coming on the market again for a few years, I'll get around to it. Bad way of looking at it though, Tom, I'm sure you're right, though I would like to think and hope that's the minority. I, I think that maybe complacency, disorganisation or lack of a follow-up system might be the majority. But, I mean, even if you sold someone a property last weekend or settled it last weekend, they're in the market. Everyone's saying, how did you go? Who did you use? What were they like? Mm. Over 50% of business is now done in the service industry off the back of a referral. So people, I saw that statistic recently coming out of the States, which doesn't surprise me. More than one in two jobs are given to someone because a friend or a colleague has referred them. Mm. So, you know, you, you, whether or not someone's not selling for five or ten years, they are still in the market, they're still talking to people. Um, it's crazy that you're not in touch with them. So, uh, you know, maybe people are disorganised, but we'll address that in a minute. So I think number one, Theo, is you're on the right track. What you need to do, and, and when I started before real estate, Tom, as you know, I spent one year as a trainee car salesman. Yeah. And basically, the guy that was my idol said to me, John, as they drive out of the showroom, the relationship starts. Which, like, here we are, 33, 4 years later, I'm still now talking to our our group of listeners out there. As they drive out of the showroom, the relationship starts. That hit me so hard 30-odd years ago that I'm still saying it. So what that means is, the equivalent for us is, as the sold sign goes up, the relationship starts. Now, of course, it has started. Don't be too literal about it, but this is where the real relationship starts because you no longer have a vested interest, you no longer need to keep in touch with them necessarily to get the deal done. You're actually now keeping in touch with them because you're a good corporate citizen, you've formed a bond or a relationship, you care about them, you want them to know you care about them going forward, and you'd love to be able to help any of their friends and colleagues as well. And I think the statistic we've spoken about on MDA before is the average person knows 285 people in their sphere of influence. Yeah. So the person you put the sold sign up last Saturday or you settled and gave the keys to last Monday, <clears throat> they have 285 people they directly influence. Yeah. So you know that's an amazingly important pool of people. So I think you've, you've got to do it. What's the right frequency? Well, I don't think there's a perfect answer to that. Um, once a year is not enough, I'd say that. Yeah. Once a month's too much. Somewhere in that, and, and also I don't think there's one method, Tom, you know, I, it's great to make a call from time to time, and I would, personally, I would say at least once a year call, probably twice, be better, and then you'll often bump into them in your community anyway. Um, but then there's, of course, nowadays there's SMS, there's technology, there's in having your team invite them to an open for inspection you're going to be at, um, there, you know, could be letterbox cards, those sorts of things. So I think what you want to do is have uh, a mixture you don't want to just have calls or just have emails or just have newsletters. I think you want to have a mixture. And if you do all of that, you know, I've got to tell you, if you've done a good job, great job. Because I think, by the way, doing a good job is no longer going to cut it because people expect a good job. Yeah. If you're doing a great job and then you keep in touch and you don't do it just to get their listing, you do it because you genuinely care about yeah. the relationships that you form. And you actually would love to look after not only their business, but everyone they know, so you can give the, their friends and colleagues the same experience. You do all of those things, your business is going to four or five X 
yeah. over the next few years? Because we know 90% don't. John, I think, uh, Theo, the first point that John raised to me is absolute gold, where this person, this vendor, this buyer who's now a person in the community is become a connector, an influencer Correct. of other people. Um, sure, the stats might say that he's not coming on the market for eight years. The issue here is that you want to create this person who becomes a mini salesperson for you. By the way, Tom, sorry to interject, who cares? Yeah. I don't care if not, I actually like you as a person. I've yeah. had the privilege to service you. You've just given me a massive check from your personal bank account yeah. because I've sold your property. I actually care about you. So, you know, what I'm, I think the message that you and I are giving people is you have to transition beyond let's do this yeah. to try and get an odd listing or two. Yeah. Let's do this because it's the right thing to do. We care. We do yeah. give a damn. We do form genuine relationships with our people. Yeah. We don't smile and kind of pl and pretend so to be pleasant so we get a listing and a sale. Yeah. And, and, and John, that's, I think one of the things that, and I've had a lot of people say this, they get this out of the podcast, is that we've taken an approach and that is you don't do things because you're checking a box and say, that's my 10 for the yeah. week. Yeah. You do it because you want to, you like to, you feel good about helping someone. They get that feeling from you and then they tell other people that you're different. And that happens, John, I've got to tell you, we, my wife bought a Lexus about six, nine months ago. Week one, the thing on the tyre that holds the air in, you know, the little screw-on lid, right. wasn't there. Yeah. And um, Sula brought it up to me. She goes, you know, it's not there. Can you go buy one? I said, when I'm at Lexus, um, it's not far from Surrey Hills. I'll go past and get one. I rang up Eddie at Lexus. So I've met this guy once or twice. He said, listen, I'm really sorry. Maybe it was there. Maybe it's fallen off. But I'll bring one to your house. Personally, yeah. Right. He came over and we were sort of a little bit... It was so small. It's like one centimetre. And he drove over to our house yeah. to put that on. You well, feel Lexus are legendary, aren't they? I mean, Lexus have built an entire brand... Uh, great product, but also offer great service. They're, they're like Nordstrom and some of these great product uh, and service offerings where they've just created legends. Yeah. So as a real estate, I mean, why don't our listeners, you should be doing that as well. Yeah. Think about that. You know, what can you be doing in your community with your clients to add massive value so they tell the same story about you that Tom's just told about Eddie at Lexus? Yeah, yeah. John, excellent. Let's move on to our second question from where Wendy Reticia who says she'd like us to cover a list of questions that an agent can ask at the pre-listing stage and then again at the listing appointment. So, John, it's, a listing presentation should be question-based, shouldn't they? It ha has to be. Yeah. Well, you know, it, we've used the metaphor of it's like when you go to a doctor or a lawyer, you know, they will ask you questions mm. um, because they want to identify where you're at, what are your hot spots, what are your fear points. What are your issues? What are the, how did this happen? So Diagnose and prescribe. Diagnose and prescribe. So I think, Wendy, isn't it? Wendy yeah. asked the question. So Wendy, what I've been thinking, up front, prior to the listing, so let's call it, this is the call where you're making the appointment. I like to dig a little bit, not too deep, because I haven't earned the right at that point. I have no, well, assuming I have no existing relationships, sometimes I will, but if assuming I don't, you know, that someone could be going through a divorce. Someone could be going through financial hardship. Someone's significant other could have just passed away. I mean, you know, if I'm on the call and I'm saying, Tom, can't wait to see you, you know, by the way, why I think you're selling, 
I mean, that may not be a great question to be asking at that point or a question that I'm worthy or, or that's relevant to me yet. So the first thing is I think you don't dig too deep. So, you know, uh, you might ask questions, you know, for Wendy, I mean, what, what are some of the answers? You might ask questions, say, Wendy, I've noticed, because I've got RP data or CoreLogic up on my computer at the moment, notice you've been there four or five years, have you made any significant improvements to home since you've been there? Because part of what I'm going to be thinking about now is what's the current value, yeah. where is it at? And I also want to know if they've done the renovations. Yeah. So I think those sort of practical questions, um, uh, so I think that would be a good area there. I always try and find out what's the ballpark price range that they're expecting. Do you, John, do you try and do that um, like before the appointment, um, if you're even on the phone? I do. It's interesting. I actually do it as soon as I can. So if I bump someone in the street and they say, John, you know, could you give me a call next week? I'd love to come and have a chat. I'd love you to come and see me. I try and get it as early as possible. One is the closer you get to or at the listing appointment, the harder it is to extract their expectation. And I think it's relevant, not because it necessarily changes my view on value, it's just handy to know yeah. what are they thinking and yeah. why. Yeah. So I say, Tom, when I come and see you on Tuesday, there's a number of things we'll go through. One of them is, I guess, you're going to want to know what's happening in the marketplace, so I'll do some research. Just so I can bring the right set of research and the right relevant sales, what's the ballpark figure you think your home might fall within? Mm. Nine out of ten, just give me a price. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's over a million, but it's less than one and a quarter. Well, John, that's a, it's a lot better to ask that question when you're not at the house. because I You can't. Yeah, when I, you ask I, at the house, I mean, really, you're getting into playing games with people. And they're saying, well, that's why you're here, Tom. Yeah, You've, yeah. I've invited you to tell me what it's worth. But so early on, I think that is an important question to ask. So I try and find out what capital improvements have they made, because that guides me around value. What ballpark figure they think it, it might be in. Um, I'll often ask them also some, just some practical things like how much time will you have available? Because if someone's got five agents backed up in one morning, they might only have half an hour. I want to know before I get there how much time I'm going to have to assess the situation and discuss the other, or I might just have to reappoint. So a few things like that. I think that's really important. But John, do you, do you like to find out how soon they're going to come on the market? That's probably a question I would wait until I'm with them. Again, because it could be connected to another event, which could be an important event, or it could be an emotional event. So I know there is, there's definitely some, there's a, there's a school of thought and training that says, you know, ask them why they're selling or when they're selling. I, I just, for me personally, I've found that's a, that's a question that can sometimes move into the realms of emotional and personal, mm. and I don't want them to get on the defensive. I've heard people say when I used to ask those things, well, yeah, we haven't even decided yet whether we are selling. We're just trying to get a feel for the market. And all of a sudden, there's a bit of a barrier up. So I want them you know, to sort of kind of welcome in, look forward to my, my assessment. Um, so I think that's important. When you get to the property, so we're now so segueing from we've gone beyond the core, we've done our research, we've brought the comparables there. <clears throat> a few things that I think are a few good questions. You're right, Tom, it's questions-based. So if you're there for an hour, my rule of thumb is 45 minutes should be asking questions and 50. 15 minutes should be giving advice and, and adding value. So some of the things that are important, and Matt LaHood, you know, many years ago sort of has been teaching our team that, you know, one of the basic ones is, you know, Tom, I noticed you mentioned to me you bought the home five years ago. Did you sell a home? What was the experience like mm. when you last sold? Or even when you bought, if this was your first home, mm. what was the experience like? Because that will really dig into what someone's perception of the process of buying and yeah. selling and the agent's fraternity, <coughs> what it's like. 
And often it'll be quite emotional. It'll be fantastic. The guy that looked after me was great. He's retired. With respect, John, other than that, I'd have invited him back to sell it. Or it was woeful, it was terrible, they told me one price, it sold for a totally other price, they never got back to me. And <clears throat> so I think that it really gives you hints and tips as to how you can handle this customer better mm. and perhaps where their radar are up around things that haven't worked in the past. So I think that's critical. I always say to people, you know, could you give me a bit of a... By then, of course, I found out through the walkthrough and through the discussion and the connection why they're selling. So at that point, um, you know, have you made the decision to sell? Can I ask, you know, what, where you're moving to or what, what's your next move going to look like? Um, I think those things are critical. I always say to people, is there anything that's of concern as you're considering selling the property? Realestate.com.au did a survey recently and they, I don't know if you heard this, but Steve Carroll was telling us at an event, he said that the biggest stress on their survey for vendors selling the property is not selling the property but choosing the agent. Mm. It's, mm. It's, it's more stressful to the people that they surveyed than actually selling the property or an auction. So, you know, I think it's, it's quite appropriate to say, you know, Tom, is, is there anything, as you've been contemplating a sale of the property, is there anything that's causing you any concern, fear, anything keep you up at night? Yeah. And now, you know, sometimes people will say, well, yeah, it is because I've got to be overseas in 30 days and I can't take excuses and I don't want someone to overinflate my opinion and I heard that agents overquote prices to get the listing and then disappoint you because mm -hmm. that could be someone's experience or what someone else has told them. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think... You know, you need to dig into those things and, and give them an opportunity. Um, I'll often say, have you, have you considered the methods of sale and which one you prefer? Because uh, that opens up auction, private treaty, something else. But, uh, everything that you've just said in the last five minutes, John's had got a question mark at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. It's not about, look at me, how good I am. And in fact, what I'd say, John, most agents need to to leave their ego at the front door and walk into a listing presentation and know that the whole presentation is basically about a vendor. It's not about the agency or, or, the, or the agent. You know? and, and yet, as you and I know, unfortunately, many of, of our industry walk in with the big ego and they start sell, 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 and you know, here's why I should be handling this, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's not actually, I'm there, I shift my paradigm thing. I'm, I'm just there to help you get a result. If I'm part of that result, that's great. If I'm not part of the result, which means you either sell it yourself privately um, to someone that might already be at, out there, um, or you choose someone that you think is better equipped than me, that's fine. Um, I hope that not to be the case, but I'm here to actually help you get a result. John, the best five-minute sales presentation I've ever received two years ago, a person selling some CRM system came in, sat down, and his first two minutes were this. Tom? If it's okay, I don't want to be nosy. I'm going to ask you a few questions. At the end, if I can help you, I'll tell you what we do and how we do it. If I can't, I'll get out of your hair straight away so I'm not wasting your time. Yeah. And I want to let you know it's okay if nothing comes from this. The minute he said that, I actually felt comfortable. Yeah. Right? I and he's probably quadrupled his sales because he's made people comfortable up front. Yeah. Now, by the way, some people listening will say, Oh, yeah, but that's just an approach. Well, of course, it's all an approach. Asking questions, um, ego statements are an approach. Asking questions, taking the pressure off the client is an approach. Yeah. This is exactly what you need to have, is an approach that makes the customer open up, trust, feel connected to you, and, and let you know their concerns. So, 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 so having structure is not a bad thing. Having structure, I think 
structure, you don't need to be scripted, but you do need to have some sort of structure in the way you go about things, isn't it? Oh yeah, 100%. I think structure that feels invisible and doesn't feel like structure. Oh, that's gold. <laughs> that's John, that's mine. I'm plagiarising that. Structure that feels invisible. And doesn't feel like structure. That doesn't feel like it's structure. It's like, you know, we talk about scripts and dialogues, and I, I kind of don't like the term because it does feel robotic and it does feel canned. But if it's done right, it's not robotic or canned. It's just like giving yourself some railway tracks to, to head down yeah. a certain direction. So I think, you know, that, that probably covers Wendy's question is, and, you know, Wendy, add your own, and to all our listeners, add your own. I mean, you and I are never prescriptive. We're never going out there saying, you must do this, you must do that. We're offering people direction, uh, sense, a sort of a taste of what it might look like or sound like, you know, if they're heading down that direction. See how that goes. And, mm. uh, and look, Theo and Wendy, others, please Thank write you. in, keep writing in. Yeah. Um, I got an SMS, I'll just read it here. Yeah. Kingsley, look, you know Kingsley. Yeah, I worked with do. Johnny, yeah. uh, sorry, was with Johnny Cunningham's now with Mike Clark. And Kingsley has just said, JM, 15 days till Arik. I'm just starting to get that excited feeling of anticipation again. So just as a reminder, I mean, yeah. Kingsley's he's one of the best agents in Australia. So Kingsley, I hope you're listening. If not, I'm sure well, someone he, you know he, is. He's actually been on the program two years ago, John, I, I remember. But I've had um, Mark Kentwell and Alex Waters send me their prezos to have a look at, just give them some feedback. John, I've got to tell you, if there are agents out there listening to this podcast that are thinking, the things that I want more is to get into more doors, and once I'm in those doors, how to separate myself versus the competitors, I actually think, from what I've seen so far, and Mark DiGiulio as well, from Melbourne, the quality, I'm not talking about the Tim Ferrises and the Wayne Dyers and the Tom world Ferris, class. right? They're yeah. world class. I'm talking about our local people local are giving clear what-tos and how-tos. This is not about people coming away feeling like they're invinci invincible, which I'm sure that a lot of people get that. John, we're talking about clear what-tos and how-tos from some great... Well, Aussie Mike people. Coombs, that you know, is one of our yes. team. Mike's going to be speaking, and, and he went... I think he was at Marshall White. He went recently. Last week, correct. It was Marshall White. Correct. Because one of the guys said to one of my managers here, one of the guys from Marshall White, they said that was one of the best presentations I've got. Now, that was Michael's first, Michael Coombs' first ever public presentation. He wanted to practice before Eric. Um, anyway, so that was good. Look, Eric will cost people about 1500 I reckon. By the time you buy a ticket, get a hotel room, buy a plane fare there and a few meals, it's yeah. 1500 If you get there and get it right, it should make you 150000 next year. There's not many things you can get a hundred-fold investment, not too many things on the uh, ASX 200 or the New Zealand share market that you can get a hundred in investment. I reckon, Eric, a couple of bits of dialogue, a couple of new systems, uh, bumping into someone in a coffee stand that you've become a network peer partner with, they're the sort of things that change lives. So, you know, this is not an advert for Eric, other than the fact that Tom and I are very passionate about it. We hope to see all of our Million Dollar Agent uh, listeners there and grab a friend and bring them with you. We're going to do a live podcast version. You'll get to meet Max Wiley. Max will be there because I think Troy might have actually done his dash because, Max, I've never seen anyone push those buttons like you. It's quite magnificent, really, Tom. Max, I can tell you, I, you know, I work for the News Corp organisation. If Buzz Rothfield was writing the story today, you'd be the back page. Max, I love well it. done. Troy, we're loyal, mate. We're loyal. We know you're listening. He's probably listening. The minute it's come out, Troy, we're sticking with you. We're in your corner. We'll see you guys up at Arik. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you. We've got one more before Arik, so we'll oh, talk to you got, next week. I think we've got two more, John. Two more to go. Two okay. More. We'll okay. speak to you then. Thank you. See you guys.